Welcome back to Monstrosity's Voice, Horrors Untouched Conversations, the podcast for Black Horror by Black Horror. I'm your lovely host, Kai Asia Fields, back with another episode for y'all, and I brought back Jamarca. Hey, y'all. What's happening? And today is our special Halloween episode, even though Halloween is every day. Yes. Um, and today we'll be talking about, drum roll, Tales from the Hood. Yeah. Cool beans. So, just to get the politics out of the way. Yeah. Tell them who was directed by, I don't even know how to say his last yeah, name. Yeah, it's a weird last name. Um, I don't know how to say Rusty Kundalev? Kundalev, yeah. Sounds and good. Brian, uh, no, D- Brian. Darren Scott. Darren Scott. And yeah. fun fact, executive produced by Spike Lee. Yes. That's right. But we're not going to talk about the second one or the third one because they are both yeah. very. Don't watch them. I mean, you watch them, don't very watch them. Bad. Even not- though the third one has Tony Todd in it. Yeah, and Lynn Whitfield. Really? Yeah. Shout out to Lynn Whitfield. That goes to show that I didn't watch like, the third one because the second one. I just saw a pre-show. Anyway, but enough anyway. on that one. <laughs> so, um, before we get into it, let's talk about some of the themes. So, I saw a post by the incomparable Tanana Riku, who is this brilliant professor um, and horror scholar, uh, about some of the themes that are in this film. So, we have child, abru- uh, bleh, child abuse, police child brutality, <laughs> soul food kids. Soul food kids. It's an insider, y'all. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> we have corruption, <laughs> racism in politics, slavery, crime, a whole bunch of other things. So, let's go ahead and get into the movie. So, we got these three gangbangers. They're walking to, they're looking for some drugs. The shit. The shit. Sorry, Mom. Yeah. The so shit. Sorry. They say it in the movie. So, the shit. We don't know what it is. The doo doo. You know what I'm saying? We don't know. But they meet this weirdo mortician who is played by the effervescent Clarence William the Third. But we got so the three gangbangers are shout out to Crimson Cinema. We got Junior from the Players Club. That's right. We got Chicago from Poetic Justice. Exactly. And we got Stacy from the Wood. There you go. Which is Samuel Monroe Jr., Joe Torrey, and DeAndre Brooks. Respectively. Yes. Um, and so, pretty much, they are driving, and they meet up at this funeral home, Sims Funeral Home, to be exact. Correct. And they are trying to get the shit, which is drugs. And so, they meet up with this spooky mortician who is Clint the Third. Exactly. And he's like, "Okay, I'm going to give you the shit, the drugs, but before, I'm going to tell you stories about how these bodies got to the funeral home." So. And that's what we call an anthology. An anthology. So, ah. Tales from the Hood is a black anthology that was released in 1995. So. And you know what was inspired by it? Tales from the Crypt on HBO. Oh, duh. There you go. I was like, what? It's in the title, kids. There's no Crypt people, but you got a weird mortician. Yes. So, we got that. We'll get to his spookiness at the end of the show. Yeah. Oh, scary. yeah. If you know what we're talking about. Yeah. Then. That was scary. 95, <laughs> oh, I was, what, not even here? Yeah. Bro. I was here, but barely. It gets weird. But, before we get to that, let's start with the first piece. Yes. So, I, even though they have specific names in the, names. in the, um, in credits, I just named them myself. So yeah, the first story is called Clarence Goes Crazy. So we have Clarence, who's this rookie cop. He's on the fourth, and he's partnered with these crooked-ass cops. So they um, pull over this politician, Martin Monroe. Oh, Martin Morehouse. Morehouse. So you're thinking about Samuel Montrose again? 
Anyway, <laughs> Martin Morehouse, who is a black politician, and his goal is to take all of the bad cops off of the street. So these cops kind of flag him down, they pull him over um, for a broken tail light, they end up killing him, injecting him with heroin, and pushing his car into the river to kind of stage that he overdosed and to tarnish his legacy. Okay, so Clarence is like in the background and he's seeing this and he's like, yo, this is a politician, like, you chill out, like, what are y'all doing? A black politician. A black politician at that. And so these cops are like, no, like, we're, we're we brethren. We're brethren, you know what I mean? Um, you know that whole like gang allegiance that cops have. Allegedly. Um, allegedly, yeah. Thank you. And so, uh, over, I think a year a year passes by, mm -hmm. and Clarence is... He's not doing too good. He's not at all. He's uh, drinking. <laughs> he's uh, drinking, 40s, got a flat top's not really holding up, and he's got a beard. He looks raggedy. Yeah, he looks rough. A word. He looks really rough. And yeah. he keeps hearing the voice of Martin telling him, like, bring, do it, Martha. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. Yeah. And so he does. He brings them to um, Martin's gravesite. And brings the cops. Yeah, the, the cops. Yes. And it doesn't go well. Yeah, uh, it gets a little messy. It gets a little out of hand because the, uh, spoiler alert, the cops are racist. Yeah, very. And um, they start to defecate Martin's grave until, surprise, Martin rides from the grave and secret revenge on the racist cops. Yes. And um, the zombie actually looks pretty damn good for 1995. Y'all know I do special effects makeup, so I was really good. Hey, plug your stuff. Pretty good. Um, but the political and social reverence of this scene or this story is is something that is relevant to today. Obviously, we know in the social climate that we live in, like police brutality is something that is very very real to this day. And I think uh, it was May '95. Yeah. So 95. the most prominent example of this is Ronnie King. Ronnie King. Yeah. But for me, watching this story, especially the story of Clarence, kind of gave me flashbacks to the Chris Dorner story. About if you know Chris Dorner was an LAPD cop and when uh, you know cops turned on him and then you know he went, crazy. He went nuts. But he, he didn't go crazy. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing allegedly. Yeah. But um, yeah, watching Clarence's kind of distrust and um, disengagement from the police force kind of gave me flashbacks of the Dorner story and then of course the Ronnie King uh, story as well. And seeing Morehouse rise from the grave is such kind of almost a cathartic feeling. Like I feel like every you know, for every Breonna Taylor, for every Trayvon we get, we were just like, man, I wish they could, you know, rise up and get revenge. Exactly. So, for me, God gave me a little bit of, like, a catharsis. Like, man, I wish that could happen, but, sorry, go ahead. No, it's interesting that you say that because in the end of that scene, you know that that was all made up in Clarence's mind and that he was in the mental institution because he ended up killing the cops. Right. And at least that's what That's they what say. they implied. Um, but, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And that's crazy how they didn't sentence him to life. They actually put him in the yeah, It's 95. They're like, yeah, black well, people, you know. Yeah, they're like, I got nuts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving forward to the next story, we have Walter and the Monster. Oh, so cool, kid. So cool, kid. Yeah, it's the Soul Food Kid. What's his name again? I don't want to say Brandon that. Hammond. I know him as the Space Jam Kid. I know him as Soul Food. He was in Minister Society. He was in this movie. He was in... If you were a black young man in the 90s, Brandon you Hammond know probably him. played you. Yeah, so, he did. Walter, uh, he's, a, he's going through a little bit of a rough patch. Um, he's dealing with a monster, and um, he's getting abused, and he's getting hurt. It's the weird scratches all over his yeah. body. And the, the teacher, who was actually the director... Yes. Uh, fun fact, I thought it was Method Man because he looks remarkable. He does not look like Method Man. A little bit in the face. I wish we had a picture so you could show him yeah. how he kind of looks. Kind of looks a little bit. But anyway, uh, Walter and the teacher start to bond over this trauma. 
in a trauma way. bonding. You know? Hey, shout out to trauma bonding. It helps. No. It no. doesn't. No. Keep going, Mark. Anyway, so Walter and the teacher start to bond over Walter's abusive monster that came after his dad died. And um, the teacher asked Walter to draw this monster. And um, he draws another monster. And he realizes that these monsters that he draws on paper uh, aren't as scary as he thinks. Because his classmate was the one who was like, hey, if you draw these monsters and burn them or crumble them up, then they, you know, they'll go away. They'll go away. And then that's that scene where he crumbled up the bully. Because he, he got bullied at home and at school. Yeah, so Walter was, wasn't popular. Yeah, he was not popular. But yeah. he drew a picture of one of the main bullies and... He crumbled the paper up, and the kid broke both arms and both legs. Both arms. Because he got weak bones. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that extra. <laughs> it wasn't Sinbad, but I thought it was Sinbad. But uh, so we flash forward, and um, we find out that this monster isn't really as scary as you think. It's because he's David Allen Greer. Ah, <laughs> the same David Allen Greer from In Living Color. Hey, he's David. a bad guy now. So David Allen Greer is an abusive stepdad who is married to Paula J. Parker. And um, we find that the teacher intervenes because he wants help. The they all get their ass whooped. Yeah, David Allen. Everybody. <laughs> on everyone. Everybody gets their ass whooped. Until our good friend Sofu Kid grabs his magical monster paper. And crumbles, crumbles it up. David Allen Gurr in a mushy pile, still saying it ain't over yet, even though his arms and legs. Oh, yeah, don't forget that he had monster tattered on his arm. Oh. Because, you know, in every story they try to, like, personify... Whatever it is, I so like in that. yeah, in in the in the movie, if you look closely, you can see that there's a tattoo that says monster. Mm. And he's like, you trying to draw somebody to look like a monster, and then it goes to the monster. There you go. Yeah, that was interesting. Anyway, they burn him alive. They burn him. Again, that's a dark ending. But hey, I feel like out of all the four of these stories, I feel like this might be the most. I don't want to say universal, but it's probably the more. I don't know, relatable? Relatable, yeah. It was oh. actually really tough to see that scene of him opening everybody's ass. Yeah. And poor little, uh, little poor Rusty. Walter. Yeah. Poor, poor Walter, but poor Rusty, because Rusty's just a teacher. Yeah. And by law, <laughs> he was trying to help. it to, like, intervene, you know what I mean? Yeah, he was and trying so to help. so he was just trying to help, and then he came trying to have a parent-teacher conference, and he ended up getting right. whacked in the face. I know these crazy people were living here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the next story is, I'm letting Marco take this whole oh, story with the dolls. Favorite. It's my favorite. If you love Tales from the like I do, then you know what story I'm ready to talk about. So there's this racist mayor, right? And he's living on uh, a plantation, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to get votes for Duke Medgar. Duke Medgar, yeah, which is actually an anagram of two. Two, places. yeah, very. David Duke, and I forgot the other one. But, um. The founder of the. Anyways, keep going. Anyway, so this racist mayor, Duke Megger, uh, lives on this plantation and he finds out that, uh, the souls of the slaves have been transferred into tiny, creepy little dolls. Very creepy dolls. Yes. And, uh, the more he stays in this house, the creepier things start to get with, uh, was it his, his manager or like his... I, I call it, I, well, in my notes, I put like political assistant. Side note, the political assistant is the same guy who's a hairdresser and poetic justice. Smiley and do the right thing. Yes. Uh, yes. All about the Benjamins. He's yes. The bad oh, guy shit, the he was in that movie. I love that guy. Oh, that's crazy. American Gangster. You know what I'm talking about. The, yes, he's a light-skinned dude, curly Robert hair. Robert Guinevere Smith Something, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so he mysteriously dies. Uh -huh. The mayor thinks it's a freak accident. He falls down the stairs. Trying to find out one of these creepy little dolls was behind the whole thing. So 
the mayor is forced to come. Oh, did I mention the mayor is a total racist? Yeah, and he was a uh, he has affiliation with the Klan. Yeah, uh, doesn't sound familiar like anybody that we know in 2020. But um, so this mayor goes toe to toe with these racist dolls, and it ends. I should uh, manage. I wish I had the picture of the the uh, the mother. Oh yeah, well, yeah, dude. And like after like he discovers that the doll in the limousine. Yeah. And like he's like, oh shit, the dolls are like real. Because at first he was really skeptical. Exactly. And then he like hits the painting, and the painting starts to bleed. Yeah. See. Y'all didn't notice that, did you? All right, we're about to finish the story, but we had a quick commercial break. Dance break. We're back. Take yeah. it away, Marco. So last we left off, uh, Tales from the Hood, Part One, Story Three, uh, Racist Mayor versus Scary Dolls. Yes. Uh, the mayor is going toe to toe with these dolls. And fun fact: every time a doll appears in this scene, a doll disappears from the, the picture. picture. Yep. So by the end, the picture is all white. Guess who's on the house? Surprise, surprise! The dolls. slave dolls. And they eat the racist mayor to pieces as the mother watches. That scene really stuck with me. It's really creepy. It's great that the racist mayor got eaten up, but it's just the visuals of yeah. cutting back and forth and the little yeah, it stuck with me. Nightmares for years. It's funny, Dad. If you're watching this episode, we, me and my dad used to always make fun of the um, guy falling down the stairs. Oh, he's like, ah! yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and my really, dad really used to always make fun of that scene. Yeah, it's really okay. So moving forward to, I, I guess this is kind of like the climax. The fourth and final. The fourth and piece. final story, which is kind of like the climactic part. You have um, Crazy K, who is played by Hakeem from Moesha. Yeah. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Well, my Bentley, you know. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah my dad met him, funny fact. Really? Yeah, LA, you meet people. But, uh... <laughs> um, so, after, so granted, these, in between each story, the gangbangers grow a little bit more like um, involved. Like, oh shit, this is really going on. This is happening. Yeah. What's up? But then Junior, <laughs> Junior's back to the party. Sorry, Junior, who is just please refer Samuel, to them as the characters, <laughs> please. Junior, Tracy, you know, Junior. He is like, one. no, dude, we came to get the shit. Like, what's up? And so. After um, the doll story, they're like, yo, like, I'm really um, scared. Like, and then, you know, Joe Torrey's character is like the really scary one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. DeAndre Brooks, or Bond's character is like the one that's like, oh, shit, I'm kind of interested in Yeah. Like, Samuel, I think Madison, or Samuel, whoever Montrose. Junior. Yeah. Whoever Junior. The guy was, looking for the he shit. Was, he, was, he was Blossom from, from Proper Gross. He was the one that was really engulfed and like, no, we need to get shit. So, anyways, going back to Hakeem. So, we have Hakeem, who is this like very enraged, angry gangbanger with these really bad sideburns. Shout out to Prim. Oh my Mars god, Cinema. they were awful. Dude, they were like down here. They were like Wolverine <laughs> sideburns. So for real, so terrible. Who and so that? he starts off, he's driving, listening to this banger ass song that I have been 
this me too. Just think of any generic nineties West, West Coast, Coast song, song. Yeah. And, and so he goes and he like smokes his guy like randomly in a residential neighborhood with like two story houses. Like what the fuck? <laughs> well, what was this beef about? Exactly. Yeah. And so then as soon as he like pops one dude, there are three dudes that come behind him and shoot him. So when they shoot him, he is like, oh, and then all of a sudden all these cops come, right? Yeah. These cops come out of nowhere. The guys are still standing over Hakeem, and they're like, yeah, what's up? We're listening. Da -da -da -da. Yeah, and all that gangster stuff. Yeah, all that gangster stuff. And then the three guys run off. The cops pop them. And so Hakeem's like, oh, I'm saved. I'm saved. And so time goes by. He's in prison. And so this lady who I forgot her name. She had amazing locks. Yeah, amazing she, locks. She's a beautiful actress. She played she in that great. one episode of Fresh Prince with the Sunflowers. Yeah, her. If you know um, the name of the actress. Yes, please leave like it in the comments below what the name of the actress is. Being, yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so she um, is like, no, I want to take him into this like behavioral, behavioral like mental, mental institution. Yeah. And like test him to see if we can like perform this person, you know, and give him a second chance. It's like S.H.I.E.L.D. almost. Yeah, so he, he agrees and he goes and they like run all these tests on him and it's kind of giving me like clockwork orange vibes mm. you know like when they take alex in yeah, and man. they they're trying to, yeah open, so it's similar to that um and so the the scene that really stuck out to me was the scene between hakeem's character and the um white skinhead or the white supremacist in the jail cell and let how me set, let me set it up if i may yeah go ahead. so when uh i don't want to call him like what's the name of the movie crazy k crazy k crazy k they him lock him up and he's sitting next to this white guy and this turns out to be a neo-Nazi, and he goes on his long virtual about how he's going to purify the world, and basically, and the one quote that stuck with, I should, I don't want to speak for you, but the quote that stuck for me was, you know, the neo-Nazi looks at Crazy K and goes like, all oh, these people you killed, what color what were they? What color were they? And it makes you think, it makes you go, well, are we the good guys, or are we the bad guys? Even though, I mean, it, in my mind, it's like, it makes me think about the whole concept of black on black crime, even though that is a myth but that's not going to be there. Um, it, it really makes me think about that. Like, okay, like we have, we're in a space, granted, there's a bunch of, we're all black. We're in this one space. We live around each other. Of course, like the crime that is a, that is geared towards each other is going to be towards black people. Exactly. But it's just like, damn, like are we aiding to a secret agenda of another demographic of people who hate us? Right. You know, so go. that is what, Are we like doing their job for them? Are we doing their job for them? When, you know, when intentionally like Hakeem or his character crazy is offended, Crazy K is offended when he called him the N-word, but it's like, dude, you're killing the same people, the that, same people yeah. that, you know what I'm saying? But anywho, uh, moving forward, the one scene where um, he is uh, in, I guess they do the strobe lighting. Yeah. Yeah, the strobe lighting scene where wild. they like kind of... um. I guess it's like a imaginary thing. They do the strobe lights and they pull every person that he's killed up. Mm. And that the scene with the little girl, she's like, yeah. "I didn't do anything. Uh, I was just here." Like, "Bullet ain't got no name on it." Like, mm. damn, you kind of go wild, crazy. No, dude, not he, a good person. Yeah, he's not a good person. And but the thing that I noticed most about Crazy K is that he has accountability issues because he blamed everything in his life on everyone else's parents. His environment, everything. He blamed it on everyone else. He never took responsibility for his actions. Mm. And he even said in the in the movie, like, you, you blaming all this on me? Like, you were the one that killed well, the you people. And you were the one that killed these people. So, exactly. what are you really saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, moving forward, we have Crazy K. We figure out that it was all a dream. It never happened. It never happened. Crazy K still laying on the ground it. with blood on his mouth. Um, he and terrible, he does look terrible. And he ended up dying. Yeah. And so we go back to the scene with the three gangbangers, and we have 
um, the mortician, and they're like, spook the fuck out because plot twist. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Hold on. Spoiler alert. Uh oh, because it turns out that the same three gangsters that killed Crazy Gay are the same three gangsters we've been following for yes. the entire films. <gasps> and so, Junior from Players Club. <laughs> Please keep, I just want you to keep going there. Junior from Players Club Junior is like, Stacy. Stay, exactly, they're like, okay, no, nah, you know we killed him, you ain't saying nothing, he gonna snitch, so they're like up in amps right now, and so, oh, they, they just, at this point, they're like, look, give us the drugs, the and then shit. we'll dip, give us the shit, and at this point, Clint's going to Oh, then it gets wild, shit. guys. The doo-doo. <laughs> oh. So he pistol whips him and tries to like shoot him and shit, and um, we get to the the climax, the climactic part of the film. The best. But he's ending. like, "All right, cool. I'm gonna show you all the shit." And he comes and he shows these three coffins, and they're like, "Cool, we finally got it. We got the drugs." <laughs> uh -oh. and each and every one of them open up the coffin and they and see what their they face. See? Mm. They see their bodies, and he's like, "What do you mean? If this is us, then who is this?" Turns out. The mortician this, isn't a mortician at all. He's the devil. There it is. What is it? Because this, this ain't no funeral home. It ain't a mortuary either. They're in hell. Welcome to hell. My God. And then Clarence Williams, the mortician, turns into the devil. Weird CGI yeah. snake tongue and the gangsters burn. And, and they're pop locking motherfuckers. Yeah. The, the spe I wish we had the scene because the, the that, it, that's it, it almost took me out the movie. Because oh, it's so goofy. Yeah. And then Stacy's like, ah! So, you know, the moral story is don't gangbang, I guess. The moral of the story is don't go around shooting people. Don't shoot people in the face and expect them to live a happy life. <laughs> the moral of the story is don't kill other black people. Don't either. kill. Hey, it was 95. We were tired of gang violence. But get you know, we were like, all right, boys in the hood. Boys in the hood, right? <laughs> Honestly, Tales from the Hood is one of my favorite anthology horror films. It's one of my favorite black horror films. It is amazing. Absolutely. I don't have much to say about the second and third film. I did see the second one, and again, I don't have much to say about it. And but if you do get a chance, please go watch Tales from the Hood. It was made in 1995. It is streaming on Prime Video. Um, it's an amazing movie. And leave your favorite scene or part of the video in the comments below and let us know what you think. Absolutely, and awesome. for me, I walked with. I haven't seen this film since I was like six years old, and I just saw it again last Sunday, and I didn't realize how influential it was in a way because I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure social horror. That's a hard sentence to say. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of S's. S's. You know what I mean? But social horror has evolved in such a way. You look at, you know, Get Out. You look at Us. You look at Lovecraft Country on HBO. I hope you're watching this. It's finale Sunday. But um, well, when you're watching it, it's already passed. But <laughs> just looking at how black horror has gone from 95 to 2020. To 2020. You know, and we're still talking about the same issues. Racism, abuse, uh, police brutality. You just really, we should really give our roses to Tales from the Hood and Rusty and her whole cast and crew for really, and Spike Lee, for yeah. really injecting this into our society because if you look at it now not a lot has changed it's That's very th this film is is relevant and will remain relevant yeah so, so. and like she said don't watch the sequence please don't, <laughs> don't. um okay so cool thank y'all again for tuning in to monstrosities Thanks, cars untouched podcast of horror <laughs> the podcast where black podcast horror, black horror. also quick shout out to this cool brim that you see me having on show it off thank you made by my good friend plex washington also known as Imperium Brims. I will leave his um, page and link down below in the comment section and the podcast notes so you guys can check him out. 
Also, please go and follow us on MVHU Podcast on Instagram. Also, the um, KFX Horror Group is also on Instagram as well, KF Horror Group. We are on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube. Click the button down below, and we'll see y'all in two weeks. Peace. Turn up. Thank mm-hmm. you.